I'd like to begin this morning with a little quiz to get you thinking and a continuation of the question that Jesus raised in this uh, story after the parable this morning. Who do you think will enter the kingdom of God first? The church elder who is an alcoholic, but nobody knows it, or the reformed wino who humbly prays for forgiveness and strength? Who do you think will enter the kingdom first? The preacher who doesn't practice what he preaches or the prison parolee who never misses a Sunday in worship? Who will enter the kingdom first? The president of the men's group who also embezzles money where he works or the former prostitute who has never cheated anyone out of anything? Who will enter the kingdom first? The CEO who earns $500,000 a year and gives $15,000 to the church? Or the widow who is on Social Security and gets a check for $2,400 a month and gives $240 to the church? Who will enter the kingdom first? The soloist in the church choir who sings of God's love on Sunday morning but who treats her employees despicably during the week. Or the nightclub singer who never gets to church because she has to work until 3 a.m. on Sunday mornings, but she carries on a real ministry of love and compassion to lonely lost souls in the club where she sings. Who will enter the kingdom first? The lifelong leader in the church who has held every important position, yet who has never really done anything specifically to help somebody else in need? Or the alcoholic mayor who never goes to church, but he's devoted his life to making the city a better place to live, especially for the poor and the needy? Who will enter the kingdom first? The church member who's never brought anyone to church with him or her, never really invited anybody, or the non-churchgoer who works on Sundays, but who's actually caused many of his friends to go to a particular church because he heard it is really good. Who will enter the kingdom of God first? Do you see how these kind of questions are, are related to what Jesus had to say in our scripture lesson this morning? a story of a man who had two sons. The man tells his sons to go work in the vineyard, which of course represents God asking us to go work in this world. The first son very abruptly and discourteously refused his father's wishes, but then later he changed his mind and he obeyed. The second son said very courteously and respectfully, that he would obey, certainly I will go, Father, but he never really did. And then Jesus says, which of these two sons did the will of the Father? Which of these two sons brought more joy to his father's heart? Are you beginning to get it? I mean, hearing this parable 
is like looking in a mirror. Who do we see? Jesus is talking about us. Which of the two sons is more like you and me? Which one is more like our relationship to God our Father? Let's think about the second son first. The one who said very politely, yes, Father, I will go, but he never did. Who does he represent? He represents, back then and in our modern world, those people whose profession of faith, what they say they believe in, is much greater than their practice or how they live their lives from day to day. In Jesus' times, they re he represented the self-righteous religious leaders. That included the chief priests and the elders and the scribes and the Pharisees who made such a big deal out of showing off how religious they were by the way they dressed and the way they acted. Yet they were actually the ones who ended up crucifying Jesus. I mean, we're talking about the Pharisee in the temple who looked over at the publican and said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this man. We're talking about the priest and the Levite who went by on the other side of the road, leaving the man who had been robbed lying in the ditch. We're talking about the seemingly religious people that Jesus condemned because he said they majored in the minor, they minored in the major. They got all wrapped up in things that certainly weren't that important in life and they neglected the most important things. In Jesus' own words, he said to them, you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, but neglect the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faith. You wash the outside of the cup, but not the inside. You're like a whitewashed tomb, painted white and beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, it's full of dead bones. Jesus is challenging and condemning here religious formalism, which is pretended devotion or what people today often call hypocrisy. It is shallow faith, superficial faith. It professes one thing but never practices it at all. It is not what we say but what we do or what we fail to do that makes all the difference. And again, beware of the looking in the mirror effect. Suppose Jesus were talking to you specifically today. What would he say to you? I think he would look you right in the eye and he would say, you said yes to me when you made your confession of faith, when you were baptized, when you became a part of my church. But when is the last time you ever brought anybody else with you? To church? When have you ever specifically helped the poor and the needy, the hungry and the homeless? When was the last time you participated, not just attended, but participated in a church program or ministry? Do you tithe? When you die, is the church going to miss more than just your presence? Have you ever shared your faith story with another person? Do you take more out of the church and out of life itself than you put into it? 
Are you an asset or a liability? Do you think God will look down and say, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased? What will be said about the worth of your life someday at your funeral service or on the day of judgment? We say yes to Jesus. We repeat that yes every Sunday when we renew the confession of faith. But does our daily practice match that profession? Will somebody else enter the kingdom of God before we do? So the second son in the parable said yes with his words, but his actions or lack of them really said no. Now let's look at the first son, the one who at first refused his father's wishes, but then later changed his mind and obeyed. Who does he represent? He represents, both back then and in our modern world, sinners who later change. He represents those whose practice is greater than their profession. He represents those who seem to have no interest in organized religion or church, and yet they still live very good lives. Back in Jesus' day, he represented the tax collectors, the harlots, and other sinners who at first looked like their lives were a blunt refusal to all that God calls for. But when they began to listen to Jesus, they changed their lives and they began to live according to God's will. And isn't it that transformation which is what Christianity at its best is all about? And that's why Jesus said they will enter the kingdom of God before those of the shallow, superficial type of faith. In the Bible, there are many examples of this first son. There's Zacchaeus, Mary Magdalene, Simon, the woman at the well who had been married so many times, the thief on the cross, and many more. Jesus knew that such seemingly irreligious people can be more easily awakened to the spiritual calling of God than the self-righteous. You know, ministers are often asked to do funerals for people who are not members of the church or maybe a member that hasn't been there in 30, 40 years. And families will often say, as many have said to me, well, well, he never really went to church. He, he never really joined the church, but he was a really good man. Does, he, does that kind of a person enter the kingdom? What they're really asking is, do you think he's going to be in heaven? What do you think Jesus is saying in this particular parable? Now, I will not deny the fact that there are many good people outside of the church. I'll even go so far as to say there are a lot of good people outside the church that are better than some people who are inside the church. But those outside the church are not really Christians because by definition, a Christian has to be actively involved and connected with other Christians. You cannot be a Christian by yourself. This brings me to the last thing I want to share with you this morning. 
the key to understanding this parable of Jesus is that Jesus is not really praising either of the two sons. While it's true that the first son may have been better than the second because eventually he ended up doing the father's will, the greater point of the parable is that neither of these two sons really brought joy to the heart of the father. In fact, they probably brought him pain. The best kind of son or daughter would willingly hear and gladly obey. Their profession would be matched by their practice. They say yes, and then they do it. And those who bring love to the heart of God today are those who confess their faith, are actively involved in the life of the church and carrying out the mission of love that Jesus has for this modern world that needs it so badly. So which are you? And will you be one of the first to enter the kingdom? What would Jesus say about you? And I want to close this morning with what might be a contemporary version of our scripture lesson this morning. The Lord calls us to go on a mission trip, whether it be to Africa or Guatemala or Morgan Scott or Haiti or volunteer at Fall Hamilton School. Some people say, you know, I really ought to do that. I need to do that, but they never do. Another thinks mission trips, that's not for me. But then she gets a call from a friend <clears throat> who says, I was supposed to go on the trip to Guatemala this week, but I've come down with a lung infection. My trip is all paid for, the ticket and everything, and I want you to go in my place. And before she knows it unexpectedly, she finds herself in Guatemala. Which of those church members does God's will? Which of the two brought more joy to God's heart?